Welcome back to The Short Game. This is the show where we discuss short video games, kind of games you can complete in an evening or a weekend. I'm your host, of course, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by the whole enchilada. I've got with me, to my left, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? Hello. Good. Left is sort of meaningless in this context. Yeah, I was going to say to the left, not only are we not in the same location, but we're not actually visible to the audience. Yeah. Good start. To my east, all of my co-hosts. It's, <laughs> it's painting a, a visual picture if yes. we were in the same room. A round table. Just envision the round table. And across the round table from me, directly across, Nate Heininger. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. And, of course, my brother and bro-host, Shane Kelly. How you doing, Shane? I'm doing fine. And uh, you forgot to introduce me as a technomancer, as I requested. <laughs> Techspert. <laughs> Expert. American technologist. That's correct. <laughs> Shane Kelly. All of the above. Freelance right. spy. Freelance spy, indeed. And, of course, we are here today to talk about a game about a freelance spy, Gunpoint. So I think we can go ahead and dive straight in. I'd love to talk about this game. Yeah, I was really into it. Um, so first off, I should say uh, thanks to listener Jeffrey, uh, or cool guy Jeffrey on Twitter, uh, who recommended that we try this game out. Uh, I had seen it a little bit on Steam and hadn't ever gotten around to picking it up, but uh, his strong recommendation um, you know, made me give it a second look, and I'm really glad I did. I enjoyed the game a lot. I asked Jeffrey why he recommended it, and uh, here's what he had to say. He said he loves how you're thrown, literally thrown, which is true, literally thrown into a situation way over your head, and you have different, all viable ways to meet that goal. Um, you can be a ghost, or a guy who doesn't mind conking some heads, or you can slam a guy's head into the concrete 99 times just to make sure you got all the flavor text. All challenging choices. And that's true, it's really a game with a lot of paths through it, a lot of ways to play, and... Um, I enjoyed it a lot for that reason, but I think I mostly enjoyed it because of its uh, its flavor text, actually. Yeah, this game was funnier than I was expecting. Like, I, it, I mean, it starts out pretty silly. It lets you know pretty early that it's going to be silly, but it stays funny all throughout between what the characters are saying and the options you have to respond as Richard Conway, freelance spy. Uh, pretty funny. So setting the game up, this is a game that's available on Steam for Windows, PCs, and Macs. I don't think this is available on any consoles. Um, pretty inexpensive. I think it's $9.99. Uh, and I would expect completing the game would take somewhere around... Does anybody know how long it took you? I didn't. I failed to complete this game, despite how short it is. So oh, shame I am a. Uh, I am shamed. I, I'm going to say three to four hours at the most. A little over three hours, I think. I spent about three hours on it, so I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> How long to beat says three hours, four if you're going for extras, and I think that I spent right about at three hours playing it. Yeah, yeah, me too. So although I'd vaguely heard of the game before I downloaded it and played it, I don't really know anything about its developer or how it came about. Do you guys? Yeah, well, the developer was... Um actually a critic uh, for PC gaming, and he uh, was he played a lot of uh, Splunky, and it's on a platform called Game Maker. And so he was really inspired to use Game Maker to try to make a game of, their own, of his own. And he had a number of principles. There's a, a good um, blog post on his site about it. 
he wanted to have death be a real thing where if a gun shoots you, it actually matters. Mm. Um, he wanted to have a game that allowed you to reset easily, um, that you could alter things in the environment without destroying the story, and um, that you could do really cool, unearthly things, but there was still a physics engine behind it. So that's kind of, those were his big issues with games. He was sick of playing. He'd played a ton of shooters where you could just get hit a billion times and nothing would happen to you. And he played a lot of things where it was hyper-realistic movement and boring, or where you could did really crazy stuff and you know, you were just bouncing off walls and had no repercussions. So he kind of started from rules and then developed this game. Um, his oranges were very much in what's bothering me about games. Can I use Game Maker to build my own game? That's awesome. And I, I actually wasn't aware of that going into the game. Um, I think if those were his goals, he really saw them through and succeeded. Uh, particularly when it comes to the reset mechanic, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. But um, it, this game really respects your your time. It doesn't want you to try, it doesn't want you to have to replay anything twice if you don't absolutely have to. Uh, and it really lets you experiment and try things and fail a lot very quickly and reset back very quickly and get right back into the action where you were. So yeah, I, I think that reset mechanic is the entire reason this is a three hour game and not a six maybe seven upwards of ten hour game depending on your skills uh just allows you to be like that didn't work go back i mean if we want to set it up real quick if you fail you have three options basically go back to each time you make a move either open a door or toggle a light switch that is set as an action and it remembers the last three actions you did and you can cut back to any of those. So if the first action you just did immediately resulted in your death, you could go back and try that one action again, maybe go left instead of right, maybe jump instead of um, try to shoot or whatever. If none of those work, you can go back two actions and avoid the entire situation altogether. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really cool mechanic. And I'm sure that there are things like that in other games, but I nothing immediately comes to mind yeah a, and we're talking about game. very short spans of time so you'll see options like uh, uh to roll back five seconds 10 seconds 13 seconds rewind zero seconds i saw that one a lot rewind zero seconds <laughs> yeah. yeah i got a lot of rewind two seconds 10 seconds 15 seconds and that reminded me a tiny bit of braid although in braid when you rewind you actually see the physical rewind and it often has gameplay implications and this you just reset back 10 seconds yeah you're just seconds. rewinding the clock on the game you're not actually rewinding the world of the game exactly so let's set up the game and how it's actually played um it's a puzzle platformer it's a puzzle platformer. It's a side-scrolling puzzle platformer. Um, you're playing as a character with an enormous jump height because of his, uh, what are they called? Bullfrog hyper trousers? Hyper trousers. <laughs> Which was the first clue in the game of, of how silly and kind of fun the writing was going to be. Also how British, because immediately trousers. Tom Francis is a Brit. And you can really tell that because of words like trousers and the uh, very British spellings for things like color and other Britishy words in it. 
Yeah. We got you, Tom. Don't think lots you of can... extra U's give it away. <laughs> yeah, slip a slip a U past us. Mm-hmm. So your your goal is generally to get into a building and retrieve some type of object. You know, hack a computer and get some files, or steal a laptop, that sort of thing. And the buildings are made up of doors and camera systems and alarms and several rooms and elevators and all sorts of other types of platforming obstacles. And there's also usually a lot of guards in them. Um, so you have a lot of powers. In fact, you're almost overpowered right from the beginning of the game uh, that let you kind of get past all of these obstacles. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, uh, your character, what's his name again? Richard Conway. Yes, Richard Conway, uh, the freelance spy, has his private frog. dick. <laughs> private dick was almost the name of the game. Yep. I actually think that would have been a better name because, frankly, for a game called Gunpoint, there are very few guns in this game and rarely is anyone at gunpoint. And if, if a gun gets pointed at you, it's shot automatically. Yeah. Well, there there's a mechanic that actually really screwed me up because I avoided guns my entire playthrough as well. I'm sure we'll talk about choices uh, in a little bit. But when I finally did have a gun, it. It, it really messed me up for a while. I, <laughs> yeah, it's I, hard uh, to use the guns. I, I yeah. basically couldn't for most of the game. Um, so uh, our private dick has his bullfrog brand hyper trousers that allow him to do incredibly long jumps uh, and also to fall an unlimited amount of time and not die. So you can have incredibly long falls, which you can tell from the very first moment of the game, because in the very first second of the game, you're thrown out your apartment window and fall through a skylight in the building next door, uh, which is sort of the inciting incident for the plot. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that fall was precipitated by him testing out his hyper trousers. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They're brand new, which explains why he gets a little better with them as the game goes on. Actually, the jump mechanic in this is probably my favorite thing about playing it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Angry Birds, because essentially what you're doing is, uh, this is played with a mouse mostly, not a controller, and you do use the keyboard for like WASD to move around, but all the jumping is done with the mouse, and you do it by clicking and holding, and you're kind of pulling away from the character a little jump arc, and it shows it to you with a little dotted line kind of indicating the jump arc that you're gonna be taking. And as soon as you release your mouse, um, uh, he jumps in that arc and um, it has this very sort of slingshotty feel to it a little bit like uh, Angry Birds or other physics-y kind of thing it's really fun to jump it never gets old uh, maybe that's because it was only a three or four hour game but I never got tired of jumping in this game I thought it was always fun yeah it, it is both incredibly precise and really really loose at the same time like you can be as you can aim it as much as you want, but sometimes the game demands that you jumped quickly. You land in a spot and jump to another spot. Uh, you handle that mechanic really quickly. And sometimes I just find myself flinging all over the place. And there's Blake breakable plate glass windows on the side of a lot of the buildings, which I'd accidentally fling through that and shatter <laughs> the window and fall five stories. Mm-hmm. Just hop back up. And also, we didn't mention uh, Richard Conway can, can scale walls. And and hang from walls too, you, and even just, ceilings. Yeah, 
So you just run, and if you hit a wall, you'll just go straight up it, and then you'll curl around the ceiling, hanging on with your feet, or not with your feet, that'd be silly, with your hands, <laughs> and you can jump. Right out. Yeah, you can jump from, from the, the ceiling, too. So if you're, like, hanging over a guard, you can jump down on the guard and, like, Batman him or Spider-Man him. <laughs> I think that was the most satisfying part of the game for me was being able to jump down on top of guards. Mm-hmm. That that was very entertaining. I, I will say there were a few times that I did jump over buildings, and that was the only time jumping was annoying. I was like, oh, I, I flung myself out of the building, and now I'm going to spend 20 minutes getting back inside. Oh, yeah. be fair. You didn't spend 20 minutes doing anything in this game. I know. That, that's an exaggeration. That rewind mechanic, I wanted to be able to <laughs> fire off uh, sometimes when I wasn't dead. Yeah, I couldn't. You can't back up if you didn't die. So if you actually fling yourself out of the room, you're out of luck. Yeah. You have to Richard just move Conway does not go. Does not carry a cyanide capsule in his tooth. You're not able to uh, <laughs> to end it. <laughs> I would say you compared it to to Braid. I would love to have seen like that rewind mechanic that you have in Braid, mm-hmm. where you you know see yourself kind of rewinding and the time kind of unspooling backwards. Uh, I would have loved to see that in this game. Uh, the The rewind mechanic was something that it was super unique in terms of like, you know, just knowing that no matter what I do, all my progress is saved at multiple points. That's great. Uh, but being able to kind of rewind and, and pick specifically visually exactly where I wanted to go. Because I, a lot of the times I found myself thinking, okay, well, was I safe two seconds ago? Okay, let me go to two seconds ago. No, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 no, I wasn't <laughs> killed again, <laughs> killed again. So dying like twice in a row is kind of, uh, kind of I embarrassing. made a chain of mistakes that led me to this point, not just <laughs> one single yep. mistake. Well, yes. I actually would say that for me, those were really fun moments. Those moments where I realized that I'd made a terrible, tragic mistake that resulted in my death and I had to reset back again and again and again and again, dying within seconds. There was something really funny and charming about those moments for me most of the time. I rarely found it frustrating. It has that really funny death animation that like Family Guy does really well. You know, it's like dead splat. You just just fall and hit the ground immediately. Anything that dies just gone Mm -hmm. and so it is kind of satisfying yeah you're overpowered but you do feel like you're flinging yourself into walls and getting hurt and getting squashed and you're constantly seeing your tiny little pixel character just really really in pain Um, i mean at the core this is a puzzle game right so we should probably talk a little bit more about the the puzzle mechanic is the most important thing yeah we talked about two of conway's main powers, but we didn't talk about the third, which is the crosslink. And actually, you don't get this until about three or four levels in, uh, but it's pretty much the defining element of the game that makes it a puzzle game rather than just a platformer. Or a stealth game. So the crosslink mode is a special mode that you can toggle into at any time, and it doesn't freeze the action exactly, but Conway can't move while he's in uh, while he's in crosslink mode. Uh, guards will move, and other things will continue. When Conway goes into crosslink mode, the screen goes dark, and all of the electronics in the building light up, uh, different colors depending on what circuit they're a part of. And any item on any circuit can be linked to any other item on the same circuit. So as you start off, you have all the items on the same circuit. You could link a light switch to an electrical outlet and electrocute a guard with that light switch. Or you could link a motion detector to a door and a a guard walking through that motion detector will automatically open that door. 
And what you do is you use that mechanic to kind of unlock different areas of the game. And depending on your choices, either kind of sneak around or pummel the enemy into submission with your fists. And eventually you obtain the goal of the uh, of the level, which is usually some kind of secret item in the most secure room in this small building. And then you sneak out the way you came and then you go to the subway. Yeah, and it gets more and more complicated as it goes on. I think, as Shane was kind of saying, it starts out where everything is one color and there might be a guard at the top of the of the building who's walking through a motion sensor that's red and you go in a cross link and you draw a line from that red motion sensor down to the door that's blocking your path. And once that guard walks through that door, or through that motion sensor, that door opens and you can go through. And as it progresses, I think it caps at four different circuits, each that you have to unlock as the game goes on. So you'll start out, you'll enter a map, and like maybe only red will be turned on. And you'll have to manipulate the red items in order to get to a little circuit box and turn on the blue items. And you just work your way through more and more complicated. Some of them requiring platforming timing, like you hit a light switch and you have only a certain amount of time to run through a closed door or, or a closing door. Um, but most of the time, it's it's a, it's a the puzzle side of it is a slow, methodical thing where you're figuring out the right the right connections to make. At its best, the puzzle mechanic in this is just a, a full of these little aha moments. But at its worst, some of my least favorite parts, it kind of started to feel like connecting the dots, you know, to me. You just sort of, okay, I'm going to wait for the guy to walk through this door. Slow little guard creeping along. Mm. All right, now I'm going to hook up that motion detector to this light switch. All right, now I'm waiting. And there we go. Okay, and now I can move ahead. Because there were often so many ways through any level, and actually it seemed like there were often several sort of solutions to these puzzles, several ways that you could link things up with each other. Um, so for example, you know, you might need to call an elevator and you could do that by linking the elevator with, you know, a motion sensor and waiting for a guard to move through it or linking it to a security camera and jumping in front of the security camera or, you know, linking it to a light switch or linking it to, you know, a door uh, or you could link multiple things to the same thing. So there are many, many ways to achieve most of these goals, depending on what types of objects there were in the level. Um, I would love to see this game speed run uh, because I feel like there probably is some optimal way to do it that was really escaping me. You know, the, the puzzles are so wide open with so many solutions that I feel like sometimes I kind of just hacked my way through it. I took the like least optimal but easiest to figure out way to do it. Um, yeah, I one of the um, one of the funniest ones that kind of immediately it was pretty early on in the game and I was like all right I think I like this game was there was a puzzle where you were on the roof of the building and there's like a trap door at the top and you had to get all the way down to the oh, bottom yeah. of the, the bottom of the building and I was having a hard time with it like I could figure out how to get the trap door open but there's three levels that you fall down and each has guards on it and they shoot to kill and pretty much don't miss that can change a little oh, bit yeah. as you the guards I have to say are like supremely effective you know if you move yeah. anywhere within their field of vision they will almost immediately shoot and kill you dead um yeah and something yeah, about I kept that. running into situations where uh I thought I was safe but a guard was like oh hey I could see you there across the map I got <laughs> yeah, I got, got a pistol <laughs> they've got a wide range of you 
if the lights are on and there's no wall, the guards will shoot you um, through through windows. Well, one thing about that is that I don't know if you notice, but if you move your mouse around, your mouse turns red when it's in an area that a guard can see. So you can yeah. tell if they're oh, going to be able to see that. you in certain par- that parts. It does make the game a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. I will say that, you know, um, in early levels. My answer was, oh, the guards are around. I'll just turn off all the lights. Oh, wait, now they have their guns out because um, you can alert the guards. Um, so occasionally your initial, this is a stealth game, I should be running around in the dark, reactions aren't necessarily the right ones. When I when I started clicking in this game, um, it's when I realized that I could distract the guards on one side of the building, make them run elsewhere, go over to the other side and play in the empty building. So you know, a lot of times when I started manipulating the guards, the puzzles were more fun. I will say that uh, a lot of the personality that the text, the funny script comes in mostly at the beginning and end of levels. Mm -hmm. So if you're stuck in the middle of a puzzle or it's taking a really long time to solve, you start losing some of the things that I enjoyed most about the game. And um, I fall, I enjoyed parts of it. I intellectually liked the mechanics a lot and I enjoyed jumping and there's lots of fun stuff. But I think sometimes the little messages I wanted the, I could, I knew where I had to go to finish the level, and I wanted more pellets to reward me for slowly getting there. I was always on, there's a speed track on here, mm-hmm. and it, you know, I usually ended up with thoughtful ghosts. Not a lot of people <laughs> saw me, and I took a really long time. I think you get uh, thoughtful if you double par. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you look at the par, though, the timing on that stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, the par is really yeah. slow. I was on always the final level. mission. The final mission, which requires some uh, a lot of different elements, the par was like um, like two minutes. And yeah, okay, I bet I could do it in two minutes. I actually had to redo that one a lot because of a, a thing that took me a while to figure out uh, with with guns because I'd never had a gun before. Um, but still, I played that one like five times, and even still, it took me like three minutes, and I was rushing through it, just just clicking the right buttons. Yeah, it, um, I, that's why I said I think it'd be an interesting game to see speedrun. I, I was the same as you, Laura. I think I n- never got par on a level. I was thoughtful, which is its way of saying slow mm-hmm. as hell on basically every single level. So on that uh, on that mission that I was talking about with the um, with the trapdoor in the in the three levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that one of the things that caught me with this game is that so I screwed it up and I was trying to drop down and hit the first level and try to catch the guard the guard off the guard off guard <laughs> and uh, uh, this is probably a better way to phrase that but I so I hit the trap door open and I tried to jump down and instead I clipped the top of the trap door fell but the way it lined up two of the two of the three guards on the rails or on the different levels were also near the edge and I caught both of them and we all tumbled down the entire building together the two <laughs> of the guards dying and me being able to fall forever survived and that's how I completed that mission and I was like there is no way that was a a like that's how you're supposed to do it but I appreciated that that was an option or that was a way for that just to work out. Yeah. And it's, it's and, very sandboxy and yeah. you don't get that often in a puzzle platformer. And I can see the trade off because the sandbox lets you do whatever you want. And there's a great level designer that's part of the game. Um, but at the same time, it can be, if you're, you're trying to find an optimal strategy, it can feel a little bit, you know, finicky in some ways. That's true. It's not a lot. It's not often that you see, you know, I'm doing air quotes here, emergent gameplay. Um, 
in a puzzle platformer, those are usually about finding exactly the perfect way to accomplish it. This is a puzzle platformer that really just gives you a bunch of tools and an almost incredibly overpowered character and lets you loose on a level. And there's many ways through it. You know what actually kept me going during those kind of expansive times when I was trying to figure it out? Because I agree with you, the, the, the truly unique and really fun parts of these games is the characters and the voices and all the different things that they do. Not live voices, but like the, the character voice. Um, the music. It, I, the music in this game is great. It's a real noir feeling. Huh. And there was a moment where I actually like had the music off. It, for whatever reason, it wouldn't start. And I didn't enjoy the, the missions as much. I actually restarted my computer, restarted the app, the application, and the music started working again. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it's the same like four songs or something like that, maybe even two or three songs. But I really, really enjoyed it. That's cool. You know, Nate, actually, I'm surprised you say that because... I would actually say artistically the music didn't work for me as well as like the visuals of the game, which I think are pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it, but it was a little bit. So I would describe the music and uh, we'll be playing some in the episode. So I'm sure our, our listeners can come up with their own bad, painful analogy. But I would say it's kind of like um, it's it, it's very smooth jazz. It's smooth jazz meets um, meets the uh meets a film noir soundtrack uh, so i i don't know i it, it just didn't work for me i i thought it was all right and they were they were clearly going for this sort of uh film noir-y kind of feel but the game takes place in a futuristic and slightly dystopian world um i think <laughs> and i don't think it's that futuristic gun control is a weird hyper trousers well, yeah, there's, there's hyper trousers. Just around the corner, I hear Google's working on them. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them bolting down uh, uh, down the Central Express. Yeah, but that laptop, that laptop totally looks like a Dell Inspiron, like 4200. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely that's... like something I had in college and like, knocked off the desk. All yeah. 16 pixels of the laptop sprite. You're right. It is it is a fat laptop. I'm, you know, that thing probably weighs at least six pounds. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. So I think it's an alternate universe where we've really, really escalated our pant technology, but our (laughs) computer technology is still, you know, around 1998. Futuristic tailoring. Style-wise, I was taken back to my early Mac games that I was playing, you know, the the Carmen Sandiego's, the Sierra Mm -hmm. games, like, except in color. So it it felt like as if I had just bought the first color Mac and was playing (laughs) a game on that. Actually, yeah, I, I wondered about what you guys thought about the graphic style, because most pixel art games... Most games that are, you know, primarily doing uh, pixel sprites are going for something that's clearly in imitation of, like, 8-bit stuff like an NES or 16-bit stuff like an SNES. And this was neither, but I don't really... I wasn't really able to put my finger on what this style is. Uh, well, it was, very, it was a very modern kind of pixel art style where, you know, the detail is really low. Um, it's kind of like a a full color version of what you'd have gotten in terms of detail on like a Commodore 64 or a Atari. But much denser. And, like the, yeah. the sprites are tiny. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of stuff on screen, even though each individual object is kind of low detail. Now that's true. That actually, I think, could have been could have been a, a misstep because one of my main complaints visually for the game was that 
the individual characters were too small on screen. I have a gigantic monitor on my desk, and the main character and all the guards were the size of like my pinky nail. And it made it sometimes hard for me to keep track of where I was on the screen or where yeah. they were on the screen and paying attention to where the characters are and where they're facing and all of these things is extremely important in this game. Yeah, I agree. So, I lost a, a uh, missed, a, a, an accidental jump would sometimes lead me to looking, taking me, taking me a little while to find where Conway had landed. That's true. Mm -hmm. And I would have appreciated a mode to zoom in a little bit further on the action. Mm -hmm. It's important, particularly when you're doing the cross link, to be able to see the entire level all at once. And with this game, apart from a little bit of vertical scrolling on very tall buildings, you're almost always seeing the entire stage on your screen at once. Um, but for the more platformy action moments, I really would have preferred that it zoom in maybe as much as 50% uh, or so, just so I could see Conway more clearly. Um, yep. Can I throw out a, uh, a visual comparison and see what you guys think? Sure. Um, FTL. And I know I love to bring that <laughs> I know I love to, I know I, everybody's yeah, laughing yeah, yeah. because I, I take every opportunity I can to bring that game up. But there's like for two reasons, like similar kind of color palette. You know, a lot of grays and dark colors, but it's also just like a cross section of a complicated thing simplified. That's true. Another one that I would uh, compare it to visually would be um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, if you've seen Sorcery. that game. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't played that yet, and it's on our list for games that I want to try out and see if they'd be right for this show because it's been praised like crazy. Laura, you're nodding. Yeah, it is. I'm nodding because you, yeah, I, I assumed you guys had all played it, and that's why we hadn't discussed it yet. We should all play Super Brothers. Yes, absolutely. And, and their visual style um, was a pixel art style that I thought was really modern and refreshing and interesting when I first saw it. And um, it's still pretty unique, but this game has some similarities to that visually. I will say that that's one thing that I, um, you mentioned wanting to see more of the, from a mechanics level, wanting to zoom in. I also at times wanted to zoom in because I think that the game would have benefited from more of the jokes being embedded in the backgrounds mm. and occasionally you'll get a little bit of it but um it seemed like a lot of care had gone into the backgrounds of the level designs i wanted to see if there were in jokes um any references that i was missing and i had a feeling that it was just so small that they weren't there yeah and those were little tiny things that i feel like while i was running around this building it would be great to you know run by an employee of the month poster with mm a picture of someone who'd been framed for murder on it or, <laughs> you know, just little tiny universe building jokes mm -hmm. that I think would have elevated my joy of the levels themselves. So when I was stuck on it, you know, a little bit frustrated, I could notice a little something extra. And I think sound effects also, I, I wanted a little bit more zing. Um, <laughs> and oh, like I really wanted a lot of like, um, like Wind Waker, there's a billion coughs in Wind Waker, which is one of my most fun things. Like, Granny coughs. Oh, and, like <laughs> everybody punch. has a different cough. Yeah, the punches are funny. The punches are funny, and the yeah. electrical yeah. shock is funny. Yeah. But I wanted like eight thousand sound effects. I um, so agree. I, I think the sound wasn't uh, wasn't the high point for, of this game for me. Although I yeah. I know Nate liked the music, and I think it has it has its qualities, but it wasn't, wasn't oh, yeah. my thing. I like the music for the tone it set for the game. I see what you're saying, and I'm not going to say it was like a masterpiece of composition or anything, but I thought it fit the tone of the game very well. So whatever, Reagan. Whatever. So 
what we've been dancing around and what I think we've referenced a couple of times is, is that probably the best thing about the game was its writing. And I think that makes sense given that the developer was coming from a world of, uh, of games writing. Uh, he's probably a writer first and a game designer second. And there's a lot of humor in this game. I would compare the style a little bit to, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a uh, Douglas Adamsy, but you definitely have this feeling of sort of dry British humor. Um, in definitely silly. It. It's yeah, it, definitely darkly silly. Well, and like kind of modern internet culture writing. Yeah, you know, like run on sentences. It's like the I can't even joke that runs <laughs> o- runs all over the internet for everything. Well, some of the characters have this. The, the characters all have different ways of speaking and writing. So I, I should say that. All of the plot of the game is conveyed in between the levels. So, you know, you begin the game with Conway being thrown out of his window, um, although it's later revealed he was actually very shortly afterwards. It's revealed that he was actually flinging himself out by testing out his new trousers and he flings himself into the building next door, which it happens is a gun manufacturing company called was it Rook? I think Rook, right? Yeah. Um, And. Just after he's flung himself into the building uh, and spoken a little bit over an intercom with one of the employees there, Selena, sorry, Selena Delgado. Let me check my notes. Yeah, well, I do have notes. Um, So just after he's flung, flung himself in there and spoken over an intercom to one of the employees there, Selena Delgado, another freelance spy, we can assume, with a pair of hyper trousers, uh, flings into the building and kills Selena Delgado and then runs away before our hero Conway can even get up the stairs. Um, So then of course you have to flee the scene and uh, you're the one suspected of killing Selena Delgado because uh, you were on all the security tapes. And so the plot of the game is for the, at least most of the early part of the game, you trying to collect all of the tapes of that incident and trying to destroy those tapes so that uh, you won't be implicated for murdering this person that you didn't murder. Um, So most of that story is conveyed in between the levels in sort of text message conversations that... And like the oldest, shittiest PDA. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) It is. That's fine. I don't don't remember if we're allowed to cuss on this broadcast. Yeah, so it's not the future, Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely not a futuristic-looking PDA. Yes. It's a PDA, so it's not the future. Yeah, it's a PDA. (laughs) It's not now. It's not now. It's a PDA. Listen, they're coming back, all right? (laughs) I've still got my hands spring visor it's in a box my, i'm gonna be getting I got that my thing trio out. ready to go i have yeah. expected yeah. a stylist to come out and start poking buttons <laughs> it's only the pants are the only thing that are making us think it's not 10 years ago that this game takes place well i don't know there's also the um uh, the upgrades to your well i don't know you're right it's all <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> Well, I mean, it's meant to be noir, right? Noir is like the 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 time period of this game was very ambiguous. It's like it's like is it the the fifties? Is it the twenty fifties? <laughs> I like to think it's just like one of those like nineteen nineties dudes who bought a nineteen forties trench coat at a vintage shop and is like, God, I'm so cool now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly who Richard Conway is. No one else uh, would call themselves a freelance spy.
It's interesting how you choose your missions on this game because there appears to be some branching elements to the conversations and where the story goes. And I don't know how you guys each played it because you have multiple answers in multiple situations that come up from the conversation with the character. So basically... <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you have a future in games writing, Nate. That was not quite on par with the game. But I'll hear. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples that I, I screen capped from the game. And once you select <laughs> that, once you select that mission, you go into a direct conversation with that person, where they tell you what they want, and then you'll have like one of three. You'll have a couple different responses. Some of them funny. It kind of gives you a chance to play Richard Conway how you'd like. You can play it like. I think you could play it straight down the line. There's always an answer that is like the like classic old film noir detective. We're like, like, let's just get the job done. Like, I'm a I'm a man who's torn between worlds. Or it's like, <laughs> or it's like, I need a beer. Ha ha ha. Or like, oh man, hope my trouser pants are working good tonight. Like, it's all like there's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if, if I'm, I'm pulling, I'm making the. Oh, you have examples and you ask me to <laughs> come up I, with I, them. I have just asking you to do a little bit of improv. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll just give you a couple quick ones. So, um, so this is a conversation that happens with Katie Collins. So, very shortly after you've uh, collected all of the videos that that uh, implicate you in uh, in murdering Selena Delgado, there's a twist, and there's several twists in the plot. Aww. Actually, something that I really enjoyed about the plot was there. There actually. I didn't know what was going to happen one one conversation to the next. There were some actual surprises. It really did feel like a pretty okay noir story at some points. Um, and so the first twist, which I don't think is giving away too much, is that once you've uh, disposed of all of the evidence, uh, well, then obviously someone has to go to jail for this. Well, it's this very nice lady, Katie Collins, who then asks for your help in trying to find out who got rid of all of the tapes from that night. It was you. Um... To clear her name, because now if those tapes aren't recovered, she's going to jail for the murder. Um, Katie Collins is interesting because she has a very kind of a bubbly uh, kind of aspect to her, and she's just a really, you know, amusing character. She writes in all lowercase. Yeah. Lots of exclamation marks. Mm -hmm. Lots of LOLs and things. Katie, you're feeling sad. You aren't using any exclamation points today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um... At one point, uh, Katie's in jail and she says, Haha, it's just kind of scary in here. I've got no alibi. I'm one of the only people who could have wiped that footage. And Jackson's word carries a lot of weight. Jackson's framing her. I don't want to get you in trouble for a lost cause. And your three options to respond are, It's not lost till I'm done. At which point, yeah, it might totally be lost. <laughs> or, I don't get in trouble. Trouble gets in... Okay, that one's not going anywhere. Or your third option is, fuck that. <laughs> so yeah, so I pretty much nailed it. Is what you're saying. Yeah. So that actual conversation, I had a crash that reset the game. So I ended up actually picking two different options, and to both, she's like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I wonder. Are there any stakes, or is it just simply? Can can we say another spoiler? Like. I don't know if we've if we've gone too far. I don't think we need a spoiler how, break on this episode as long as we don't talk about the details of the ending. So okay, so there's you do several. Because otherwise, missions. you might spoil it for Shane. Huh. Yeah. Um, the one I want to know, like, so you eventually get the option to tell Katie Collins uh, that the tapes were are missing, 
and you can kind of just say outright, I'm the one who deleted them because I didn't want to be implicated. Or you can cover it up more and be like, I don't who knows what happened to the tapes. And I told her, I decided, I, I tried to play Richard Conway as honest, mm-hmm. and I also tried to play it, because I figured as a freelance spy, you need to keep as many bridges built as possible and not to be a dick to anybody because you never know where a job's going to come from. So I tried not to kill people and I tried to be honest, just hope, you know, just trying to trying to pay rent. And I told her I'm like, "Hey, I deleted those tapes because I didn't want to get, go to jail myself." And she just hung up and that's the last you ever hear from yeah. Conway. Yeah, yeah, I played the same the way. Same Did everybody else Okay. Well, and we all picked the same. We're all <laughs> such honest citizens that we have no idea. Actually, I watched a Let's Play, and I can say that that is one of the few uh, conversation choices that has an actual plot implication rather than just uh, causing difference in the dialogue. Um, there's not a whole lot of branches to this plot, uh, but it does give you a little bit of choice in how things go down, you know, in terms of how you pick your missions and how you relate to the different characters. Uh, and it culminates in a big choice that does have some pretty uh, big implications in terms of the plot. So, uh, and actually something I like about the dialogue mechanic is that there's really not an indication when you're making these choices, whether they're inconsequential little personal preference dialogue choices, or if they're larger choices that are going to have an actual effect on the plot. Would you say that's similar to a degree? You've played more of it than I have. And they, they probably do it better, but like the Walking Dead games, like oh, yeah. there's so many, de- there's so many decisions that you're not sure which one is actually going to affect you in the future. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that it, games that give you these types of choices, uh, the best way for them to get you to just make choices and live with them, uh, you know, rather than trying to like min max somehow, uh, is to give you a lot of choices, most of which don't mean a whole lot, and some of which do mean a whole lot. And I think this game is trying to do that. It's not as successful at it as The Walking Dead, but absolutely, good comparison. I know I really enjoyed the game, and I think that was mainly because I enjoyed the story and the dialogue. Uh, I enjoyed the levels. I thought they were a lot of fun, but uh, I am kind of glad the game was only about two or three hours. I think much longer than that. I probably would have tired of those before I tired of the plot. Uh, As it was, I kept playing because I wanted to see the end of this noir story. I thought it was a really successful story, but I know there's some diversity of opinion on that one, probably more so than with most of our games. Laura, you were saying you had some reservations about it yeah i think for me the enjoyment i found in the puzzles wasn't big enough to um it wasn't a big enough carrot to get me to the next piece of narrative i completed it because i was playing for the game that i probably would have dropped it if i hadn't i think that a lot of the time you know most of those three hours were in the levels and after i intellectually solved the level i didn't want to go through the tedium of actually going through the level um sometimes if you're playing a true platformer there's a lot more tension in the timing uh the you know the jumps and the you know the rewind was really helpful for getting through but it didn't quite ratchet up the tension i didn't have the little extra flavorings the little incentives um in UX, we call them micro interactions, which is a really pretentious word, but <laughs> the little bit of extra details that make living in the puzzle part of the world much more fun. 
Um, I really wanted more, um, you know, I solved this for myself by trying to give myself little challenges on the table. Like this time I'm going to only kill people from dropping from above. This time I'm only going to kill people this way. This way I'm, going to, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm just going to knock them out. Um, so I ended up giving myself, you know, challenges to get through the level um, to make it more enjoyable for me. I know that um, had I not been playing for the game, I probably would not have completed it because I felt like I got the game after the tutorial session, maybe three or four levels in. It's like, okay, I, I get this. I understand the game. So I, I, I rec you know, I really, I'll read for that. I reservedly recommend this. If you play the first couple levels and you're really loving it, you're gonna love it the whole time. If you play the couple levels and the puzzle mechanic doesn't draw you in, it's you're not going to get much more. Hmm. I kind of agree in a sense. I, I think the biggest shortcoming of the game is that its upgrade mechanic is really boring. Um, yes, the upgrade mechanic's really boring, and and that's something that I I rely on to differentiate levels for me. Mm -hmm. And so if the upgrades really don't change the mechanics much, if they don't do much more for you, yeah, you're not going to get much more personality or diversity in gameplay. Again, you have to rely on yourself to go through. I did have one point where I had to kind of drop out of a level and go back and upgrade to like be able to jump higher because I, I wound up in a level where it was, to, as far as I could tell, impossible to complete because I was sitting outside of this building and I had no way to get into the building except by crashing through an upper story window and I you weren't couldn't jumping get high to enough. the window. Yeah, I wasn't jumping high enough. <laughs> right, and yeah. that for me is not a, a, a worthwhile upgrade mechanic because it's just a little bit further than what you have. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you should get that automatically and not have to pay for it. It's, it's one mm -hmm. of those. Yeah. You don't know what to buy. Yeah, I you know I really I did really enjoy this game, but I I, I agree on that level because we didn't really talk about it. But as you complete these missions you are given money and you use that money to buy new tools or make you jump higher and things like that and i did find that i would buy the new tool and then almost never use it like i did use the the ability to rewire a a guard's gun a lot that was a really good one i didn't use that I even once that's interesting oh really mm -hmm. I, I used it all the time bit. yeah because it just depend on how you want it like i tried to not kill people um, and if you wanted to not kill someone, there's a lot of guards that you're going to come into like face to face confrontation with. But if you can rewire their gun to when they pull a trigger, it hits a light switch, which I thought was a cool mechanic. Um, it allowed you that just enough time to to get a, a flying jump punch uh, <laughs> together. But I, I really enjoyed this game. I I don't know. I, I I definitely can see some of the the faults that you guys are discussing, but. The fact that like I was almost never stalled on a puzzle, but it required just enough thought for me to feel satisfied when I completed it. Yeah, and and you know each puzzle would maybe take, depending on as they progressed, they got a little bit longer, but maybe like five, ten, five minutes, you know, yeah. to complete one. So like. You know, you're saying like you wish that there was more in between, and I and I agree with that. But I just didn't feel like that was like it's not like I was like in Skyrim traversing from one one town to the other, where that's like 25 minutes of dry, of riding my horse. You know, like this was there. There were such short puzzles that I felt that the 
I would spend just as much time talking to people as I did playing the puzzles. Yeah, almost. And I think uh, the longest I spent in any level was 10 minutes. Um, and that actually was great because I came and went with this game a lot. I would sit down and play two, three levels, maybe four, and then go do something else for a while and then come back to it. And I think it may have been that I played it in so in many short chunks rather than all in one big sitting that made that work a little better for me. I didn't get bored with the puzzles yet. Um, before we're totally off of the upgrade mechanic, I do want to say the, my favorite thing about the upgrade mechanic because it was boring. The only reason that I did them, for the most part, was that the upgrades had great names and great flavor text associated with them. Um, they have names like Death Fluke and Hushcracker and Prank Spasm. And I don't know. I just really enjoyed them. Did anyone ever successfully use the Hushcracker? Yes, several I times. I felt like I felt like I could never do it. Yeah, I would. No, you had to. Th- that's the thing. Like, is sometimes some of these tools were hard to figure out how to use this game does not hold your hand as a player the hushcracker you had to click the left mouse button while in the air on the way to the window for it to actually work yeah and that hushcracker uh silences the sound when you break through a window and there's some times where that's really useful yeah i don't know i totally read those same instructions and i could just never do it and i i never found that it really mattered that i could or couldn't do it i think i eventually sold it for batteries or something <laughs> i think i but, used that uh, one more than any of the other upgrades um because there were a lot of places where you could jump in through a window or a skylight at right behind a guard and land behind the guard silently um and then you'd be right there you could it just shows right how out. different you could play this game did anybody else Keep track. At the end, it tells you how many people you killed and how many people you injured. No, I didn't. Yeah, at the very end, it does. Uh, it actually does something really, really unique. Um, at the end of the game, it shows you, you know, how many you killed and how many you injured, and then you write a blog post oh, as Richard Conway. That was really unique. It's kind of silly. I, you know, I, I won't necessarily say that it was. It was you do be like, Hauser at the end. Yeah, it was, but it's certainly unique, and it and it, it, it posted <laughs> on you the option to share it. And everything, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty what cool. I loved about that was that it it creates this custom blog post that you kind of collaboratively write in the game, and then it gives you a link that you can tweet that describes your path through the game in a sort of a you know. It, it was the sort of tone of a detective writing his final yeah. case notes on a closed case, and. Then you can post that. So I killed 11 guys. I injured 26. Wow, that's different. And and the um, most of those dead were on the final mission where I just went in guns blazing because... I had no compunctions about... I basically... I left no, no one alive. <laughs> no. Well, so I, I, I want to just talk about this for a minute because it was... I actually... I had to look something up about this game, I have to be honest, because I was so confused because I had never used the gun before. And on the last mission, apparently if you fire the gun, it sets off some sort of timer mm, Yeah, where the, where the police show up. Mm-hmm. So I didn't catch on to that. I think what, what happened is I had, I had fired the gun and then I was working on a mission and I stopped playing it for a minute. I was like in mid-mission. I stopped playing for a minute and went and did something, and that entire cop timer went down. And then I would do the mission, and when I would die, it would say, 
Press 1 to go back 462 seconds. Press 2 to go back 470 <laughs> seconds. And I thought like the game was broken or that it was glitched or something. I had to eventually restart the entire mission from the beginning. Mm. And that's what I was talking about from the beginning um, or the beginning of the episode because I couldn't do it because once the cop was there, the way that I had played it, it, it it required me to start it over because if I died, it was I had to go back like five minutes. It, it was it was strange, but that's just me not knowing a mechanic of the game. Yeah, the guns were probably one of the weirdest part of the game. Um, there were a couple specific mechanics with the guns. The uh, if you sh- if you point a gun at one of the guards, they will freeze for a certain amount of time before taking any kind of action, unless they're one of the professionals. And that actually was one of my favorite bits of flavor text in the game when it introduces the professionals who are uh, guards wearing dark black suits. Uh, Yeah, it says, as in life, anyone in a black suit is a professional. Professionals will shoot even if at gunpoint. They can also see in the dark. Why not? (laughs) And it's in that, this is where I was saying that, like, internet-y writing, where it's all lowercase, they can also see in the dark. Why not? Like, no punctuation. It just, they can see in the dark. Why not? It's so funny. It, 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 it doesn't really bear um, talking about saying it out loud. It doesn't sound funny, but in the context of the game, all of the writing had this spot on kind of offbeat humor that really worked. And so my recommendation would be try this game out. It's not super expensive. You can pick it up for 10 bucks on steam because it's so uh, because it's so low fi you can play it on a toaster. So you don't even have to have a game controller. Any Mac or PC should be able to play this game just fine. Um, And I definitely recommend it. So I definitely thank listener Jeffrey for pointing it out to us. And um, I'm glad we played it for the show. Ditto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we played it. Laura's like, eh, yeah. eh." I'm glad we played it for the show because I think it's one of the first times I've been on a show where people haven't all really enjoyed it. And so sometimes it's just interesting to find out why things hit and why things miss on different people. Yeah. I think the funny thing is I thought it might be the uh, consequence of the way I played, and it sounds like Nate and I played almost the exact same way. So um, maybe it's just because I played Mark and the Ninja too soon. Ah, uh, Mark and the Ninja. This one. And so mm-hmm. I think I had, uh, maybe I was stealth out, or you know, the comparison just didn't, this one suffered in comparison to Mark and the Ninja mm-hmm. in my mind. Well, this made me want to play more stealth games. I've got one on my list right now, the Fabulous Mistake. I don't know if you guys have seen trailers for that one that are going around. It's it's out now. It's an indie stealth game that looks just stunning. I'll put a link in the show notes because it's one that I really want to do for the show eventually. Um, but yeah, it's really given me a, an itch to play more stealth games. So that's definitely something that's coming up for the show. So I'm really looking forward to our next episode, which is going to be To the Moon. Um, have you guys played it yet? Yeah, I started it uh, earlier today. I played the first like 20 minutes or so and then it crashed oh, and I have to do it all over again but I it, it was cool what was happening it was it was funnier than I was expecting or not necessarily funnier um, but it was a little wackier than I was expecting for a game that I was a, that really sets off to be somber is what the the art design and the, the when you read what what the story is about I was expecting it to be an overall pretty somber game mm-hmm. and it's a lot wackier yeah. than I was expecting. It's a really interesting game. So if you are playing along at home, uh, check out To the Moon. It's going to be our next episode. And it's a really interesting role-playing slash adventure game that's kind of about death. So yeah, 
check it out. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K, spell that R A Y G A N K. Um, Reagank. That's right, Reagank. Uh, Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Reagan, I have forever only ever seen it as Reagank. <laughs> If you, if you don't think that's how people see it, then you're wrong because that's totally what it looks like. I know it to is. People who don't, to people who don't know that Reagan is a name, it looks like Ray Gang. Yeah. Laura, where can people find you? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And um, of course, you can follow our show on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, or, of course, on our website, www.theshortgame.net, where you can find the show notes for this episode and information about upcoming episodes. You can also give us tips just like listener Jeffrey did and let us know what games you're interested in hearing about on The Short Game. Uh, or if you just have something you think we really ought to try, we like recommendations. So thanks very much. We're also Steam curators. Oh, we are Steam curators. And if you find if you go to theshortgame.net, you can find a link to our Steam curation page, which we try to keep up to date with the games that we've played on the show. Uh, or you can search for The Short Game on Steam. So hopefully you'll join us next week for another episode of The Short Game.